This morning, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles or your telephones or your iPads or whatever it is. And, and it's really fun for me. I still use an old-fashioned Bible. And uh, as I looked at today's sermon, this is just kind of interesting. Uh, Greg Stoughton preached it here on May 4th, 2014. He preached this text. Uh, you might not know him, but Daryl Rose preached it in Waynesville, August 6th in 2017. In fact, I preached it here on August 13th some year. I, have, I didn't get the, the year. So if you've got it in your Bible, you could help me and tell me what year that was. But um, this is Matthew 10. It is the story of the mission that the Lord calls us to. You see, we often think of the end of the Gospels where he says, go ye into all the world and preach and teach and baptize in my name. That's the great commission. What we're working with today is the first mission. It is included here in Matthew 10, Mark 6, and Luke 9. A mission means that you are to send. If you are an apostle, that means you are one who is sent. And so uh, today, I'm not talking to the church in general. I'm not talking to the person next to you. I believe the word of the Lord was to speak to you. It kind of sounds old-fashioned, but you know people are lost and dying. Our church believes that there is a hell. And the only way to avoid hell is through knowing and loving Jesus Christ. This is a desperate matter. I'm not here to talk about money. I'm not here to give a district report. I'm here to challenge you with the power of God's Word. It is my hope and prayer that His Word will not only challenge you, but change you in some ways. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word? Matthew chapter 10. He called His twelve disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Lord, would you please uh, make your word come alive? Help me to say the right things, to accurately execute Scripture so that it happens so that it works. And so would you speak to ears 
and hearts and minds. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I need to back up and tell you that uh, the beginning of this comes at the end of chapter 9. I think Alex told me that he preached there last week, but I have to pick it up. And it says in verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. This is super important. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Um, So, you know, when we talk about being like Jesus, it, it means that you should pray. And that's absolutely right. In this text, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest and he will send out uh, harvesters, workers. Pray. It's not just about us working. Some people think this is kind of a works thing. We've got to be people of prayer. I'll bet you pray for every meal. I'll bet you pray when you lay your head on the pillow if, if you can get through that prayer without falling asleep. I'll, I'll bet maybe once or other, a couple other times you pray. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure that we really get deep with the Lord on lost people. So, um, to be like Jesus is to pray. To be like Jesus, you've got to learn scriptures. He was the rabbi and he teaches us through these words. To, to do all these things, you're like Jesus. But the first one that I see here is the compassion of Jesus. Now, forgive me, because I'm going to get a little picturesque here. We might have a little fun, especially if my son's watching on live stream. Compassion. You've probably heard that, that compassion, in some places, it, it says it, it, it comes out of your guts. Um, in some of your texts, it would say that it comes out of your bowels. Sorry. But maybe we need to understand this. Compassion is not just pity. It isn't just feeling sorry for someone, but it is entering in. It is loving so much that it just comes out of us. How many of you like Tex-Mex? Whoa, I'm surprised. I thought, thought that'd be everybody. Don't you love it when they have great chips and salsa? And I'm always tempted to eat a little bit too much of the salsa. And then that occurs other things to happen. And then if you have one of those massive cheesy burritos, I I hold that thing and I think from here to here. It's just amazing thought to me. Too much cheese maybe. But at any rate, if you eat that thing, sometimes, sometimes it, it causes things to happen. Do you get that? Well, earlier in this week, I took your pastor to his birthday lunch. His birthday was a couple weeks ago, and so we were both really busy, and we did it this week. And we went to a local restaurant that we both really like, and and, uh, we ate well. Uh, Didn't think I gorged myself or sinned in eating, but, but, but what we ate was active. So when we were finished, um, I was pulling in the front driveway and I was going to let your pastor out at the door here by the office. And we got right by those glass front doors and he said, Dad, stop. And I hit the brakes and he said, see ya. 
And he hopped out of the car, did his little key fob thing on the front door and came flying into the bathroom. I contest to you that that is the definition of compassion. It's not just feeling sorry, but it's something. It, it's not just a bowels thing. It's something that causes us to really change. So this morning, I'm not just giving you a good idea. I'm not just saying something that sounds like, yeah, we ought to do that. I think if we really want to be like Jesus, we must have the compassion of Jesus. We must love what he loves. We must act because he acted. And so it is that, that, that we have this compassion of Jesus that changes us. I think if, if you were to write down the names of like maybe five people that you wanted to see one to the Lord, they may not be the same five names that I would put on a sheet of paper. And, and if I were to say, who do you have influence with, it may not be the certain per, same person that I have influence with. I really believe that God chooses to work through his people. I believe that Jesus, at the beginning of the third year of his ministry, is saying to his disciples, he is sending them out mission, they become apostles, the sent ones, and he is saying, I'm entrusting this to you. I, I think he saw what was coming, his crucifixion. I think he knew that he had to trust his disciples. Now in the Great Commission, it sends everyone into the whole world to preach and teach the gospel and baptize. But this one, it says just to the lost people of Israel, He's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about Galilee. He, he's not talking about where the Gadarenes live. He's not talking about Persia or Egypt. He's talking about the people that are influenced. Now, we heard Pastor Young Duck this morning say that world missions has come to the United States. We don't have to go to Korea. We have Koreans in our, congr on our congregation, in our neighborhoods. We have people who speak Spanish. I don't speak it really well, but I love it when I go into a fast food place and I can help someone because I understand a little bit of it. And they're lost. I can't imagine that. Missions has kind of come to us. So world mission is not only global and it's not only Anglo, white, English people. It's people of all nationalities, people to people that God places in your path. This first mission is not a global mission. It is the mission of your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So pray, be like Jesus, compassion. And, and here's the third one that I think we miss. Did you know that I really can't win anyone to Jesus? You probably know that I'm not that good. In fact, I hate to tell you, but you aren't either. Now you see, at one time I knew the four spiritual laws, Greg. Uh, in the 1970s, the Church of the Nazarene have life can have meaning. It was a little white brochure with red. It was a five-step plan. I, I kind of learned the Roman road. I, I kind of know the Kennedy plan. I took that in seminary. I, I, I know all of these different plans, you know, like, like you say, hey, if something were to happen to you and tonight you were to stand before Jesus Christ at the gates of heaven, why should he let you in? Paraphrased a little bit. Do you know what? People don't usually want to hear that whole spiel. So I was listening to some of the people in our salvage yard biker ministry. We have a church of bikers. 
And this one guy stands up, and I just can tell you this, he didn't look anything like me. Praise the Lord. He dressed totally different than I'm dressed. Well, he had a lot of black on, but leather. Um, I'm, I'm honestly telling you, I don't have any tattoos or piercings. I haven't gotten weird on you. Nothing wrong with those things, but they aren't me. But this guy's very, very different, and he stands up, and he's, he's going to testify, and here's what he says. I was in chaos. Jesus has set me free. And there's this move now to have your testimony in eight words. Four words, who you were, where you were, and four words, what Jesus has done to you. I think people want to hear that. I think people want to know that Jesus changes lives. And so this guy gives this testimony. It, it might have been you that would say, you know, I was a deceiver, but Jesus helps me be truth. It's just that simple. I think you need to figure out what are the eight words for you because I think there is a time and a place where you can share those words. Um, you know, God brings people to us. Um, I hang out with mostly pastors and church board members. I got a board meeting at 1230, so I can't go too long today. But um, so I, I hope all of those preachers and board members are Christians. Hope so. Uh, I don't usually, I mean, I, I need to be around people that are lost. I, I intentionally do that. I go to three restaurants in this area because my office is right back there. And before I order three times, people hug me because they know I'm a hugger. <laughs> three different little fast food restaurants here. I walk in and hug the people before I order. I know that's not good COVID-wise, but there's compassion in me, you know. Sometimes you just have to do it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you see... God's doing this. I love the new work of the Church of the Nazarene that is talking about discipleship in the process. Something we don't hear a whole lot is about provenient grace. The grace that goes before. Did you know that Jesus Christ wants every person to be saved? It's truth. Did you know that Jesus Christ isn't when in the world is Scott Reese going to help these people come to know Jesus? He's working on it. You know of, you know of two of my examples. Do you remember there, I've told you the story. You've met him. He's been here. Uh, I was in board meeting one night. My phone rang. My 10-digit phone number is one digit off of a cocaine dealer. And a guy named Jim called me trying to order cocaine. And through that, we became dear friends. I still eat with him on Fridays. And Jim is a believer. I never used the four spiritual laws. Life can have meaning, the Roman road, the Kennedy plan. Never any of those. Because God was doing the work. And I didn't save Jim. God does. God loves him. There's a family that was going to this church, sat up in the balcony on this side, and I really didn't get to know them. A few Sundays, I would hurry up and stand in the balcony to try to get to know the people that lived, lived up there, sat up there. And uh, maybe they do, you know. We don't go up there and check through the week. <laughs> but I went up there, and uh, I met this couple. And uh, that week, the wife called me. And she said, Pastor Bob, um, 
You, you probably don't even remember who we are, but uh, we're going through a divorce. And we thought maybe we'd go to church and that the Lord would help us. And she said, would you please befriend my husband? He needs somebody to be Jesus to him. And so he became a, a good friend of mine. That was a Tuesday lunch <laughs> at Skyline. <laughs> I do all of my evangelizing through eating. Did you get that picture? <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here very much anymore. Kind of lost touch with those people. I got a phone call about two months ago. This lady has moved, I think, to Tennessee. And she said, Pastor Bob, this is, you may not even, re oh, I remember you. And she said, would you go see my husband? He had a stroke and he cannot move the right side of his body. So I went to Westchester Hospital and I asked if I could visit, didn't know if they would let me or not. And they passed me through and I went into his room. I am very cognizant of the power of Jesus. Not my goodness. And this guy looked at me like, where in the world did you come from? And you can probably guess what I did. I went over to his bed and I put my arms around him and I held him close. And I called him by his first name and I said, I love you. But even more importantly, Jesus loves you. You see, I'd, I'd been out of touch for four to five years. And all of a sudden, the Lord, from a long-distance phone call, gives me an opportunity to be his representative. I, I love this. This is, this is not a brand new thing. Maybe you've heard it before. There was a Sunday school teacher. His name was Edward Kimball. Do any of you know Edward Kimball? Probably not, because it was back in the 1800s. Edward Kimball taught the junior boys' class. And there was a young man in his class, or maybe it's the high school boys, he taught the high school boys, and there was a young man in his class, and he knew that he worked down at the local shoe store. So Edward Kimball went down there and he spoke to this man about Jesus. And that man accepted Jesus Christ. You probably have heard of him, his name is Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody led a man to Jesus named Wilbur Chapman. I have no idea anything about Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman witnessed to a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday. You've probably heard that name. Billy Sunday led a man named Mordecai Ham to Jesus. And in 1932, Mordecai Ham spoke at a revival, a crusade, and a 13-year-old boy named Billy Graham saved. You know how powerful God is? God can do anything. You know what's absolutely beautiful? God chooses to do it through you and through me. But you see, sometimes we get kind of comfortable. Hey, I liked the music this morning. I'm not going to go home and complain about the music. I liked it. Sermon, you can go home and complain about that. <laughs> whatever, whatever bugs you. We're, we're consumers, folks, and we like it like we like it. And people are leaving churches all the time to try to find another one they like better. 
Sorry, but garbage. That's about as dirty as my mouth gets. We are consumers. We want what we want. We like what we like. And until we get that we need to be like the compassion of Jesus, you and I are going to miss people who will die and go to hell. Jesus sent out his 12 disciples. I think it's hilarious. I tried to read it with emphasis. Um, There was this guy who was Matthew, a tax collector. He didn't just work for the IRS. I'm kind of sensitive here. We have an IRS employee in the church. And so I don't want to rip the IRS people. But um, tax collectors in that day were thieves. They'd get all they could from you. And then did you hear the other guy's name was Simon the Zealot? Do you know what a zealot was? A person that when they didn't like something, they were zealous about it. They'd go after him. I want to tell you that when Jesus was working with the disciples, Simon the Zealot was looking over at Matthew thinking, I'd like to kill you. You stole from me. There may have been more of that going on. You know what changed him? Jesus. You know what changes us? Jesus. You know that Jesus is all-powerful. So you don't need to worry about being a witness. You are. But Jesus needs you to be intentional. So I have three little points here, and I'll be done. The first one comes in verse 20 of chapter 10. For it will not be your speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's what I was saying. It's not that you've memorized some evangelism path. It's just that you'll be obedient to Jesus. Here it is in verse 26. Do not be afraid of them. Ooh. You know, after this first mission, the disciples were not persecuted. After the Great Commission, they were persecuted and executed. This one was was not that way. I read an account about two weeks ago. Do you remember in the news, I don't know, was it a couple years ago that ISIS took 17 believers and led them out on a beach? Do I remember right that they put red bags over their head? I, I remember there was a lot of red and they each had a machete. I didn't know it, but did you know that 16 of those men were Christians? marched out to their death. One of them was not a believer. And they gave each one of those, from what we read, the opportunity to recant and say, I don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. They came to the man who had never confessed Christ. And he looked at the 16 men by him. And if they thought, if he thought, if they love Jesus that much, so do I. And all 17 men were decapitated, murdered. Yeah, maybe, maybe as Christians we have some persecution, but not like that. But I want to tell you, do not be afraid. Oh, someone might think you're a religious fanatic. Someone might think, are you a preacher? 
I don't know what they'll think, but who cares? You're a Christian. Your identity is Jesus. Your mission is helping people know him and love him. And then the last one is in verse 31 of chapter 10. It says, you are worth more than many sparrows. I have good news for you today. Every one of you is worth more than you'll ever know. Do you remember I used to say when I was your pastor that there isn't a stinker in this church? I've still not found one. I I can gladly tell you that I love all of you. What a privileged person I am. I'm rich beyond. But I want to tell you something. Jesus loves you far more than I. You, he doesn't make junk. You are his treasure. You are worth more. But he is calling us to go out because there are people who are like sheep being slaughtered by all the junk of our culture and the lies of our day. And if we don't do it, people will be lost. So I'm really big on this today. I'm praying that this passage, that you'll hear it. And you'll not just think, well, I need to do better. Or if that person at works asks me if I know Jesus, I'll tell them. I I think you need to make a list. I I think you need to know who are the people that I want to lead to Jesus. And just understand you can't do it. But you see, God's already doing it. And you might be the person that changes their destiny. Now, I've said this before. Can you imagine what worship would be a year from now if every one of us were privileged to be a part of leading someone to Jesus? I don't know how many of you would say I've had that privilege, but can you imagine if every one of us could say, you know, I really didn't do hardly anything, but Jesus used me and this person accepted Christ. This church would be dynamically changed. That is the message for today. He calls out his disciples to the mission to be sent Oh, maybe not to Korea, but to the people in your path, to the people that he brings to you because he is proveniently, he is ahead of you working for their salvation. I want to be a part of that. I have this job, but it's not as important as me leading people to Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word. And not just that uh, it's been preserved well, and not just that some preachers really make it alive to us, but today I am asking your Holy Spirit to deliver this word to each one of our minds, to where it changes our life. Maybe instead of being so concerned about our work or whatever it is, our sports or whatever it is, 
maybe we need to most need to most be concerned about lost people your mission must be our mission speak to us i pray lord thanks for the privilege of being with these people that i love help us to make a difference in people's lives i pray in jesus name amen